2: I've said this to you guys before, roster building is a 12-month process. And you can't sit here and rust on your laurels, oh you went to the Super Bowl, so obviously you're gonna go back again.
3: Your decisions are made above your shoulders rather than in your heart. Exactly.
2: Listen, at the end of the day, we're gonna do the evaluation. We're
3: going
4: to see what we feel we need, and we're going to do everything we can to get better. All right. Welcome to the C3 postgame show, Panthers at Saints. Panthers break a seven-game losing streak. And uh, in many ways, I think lost uh, potentially in the draft and next season by winning this game. It's the final postgame of the season. It's been a long and strange season. Not long enough because we didn't make the playoffs, but it's finally come to an end. Cody, this is the last one, my friend.
5: The last one, brother, and yet somehow the Panthers managed to win when we need them to lose the most, but it's okay. Uh, You know, uh, we have a few players on the team that might have played their last snap of Carolina Panther football, so at least they got to go out with a victory against a division rival. Not all that clear Tony Dunn, but I'm ready when you are, man. Let's do it.
4: Well, I'm glad the Saints didn't get to pull the broom out, right? That's what I'm, I mean, I am happy about that. At least we didn't have to see that. Right. But the Panthers do drop in the draft order substantially, right? And we could have climbed the draft order in a better way. So, all right, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about this game. We're going to talk about the latest news and surrounding the the team's future and some things like that. Uh, you can be a part of the show by participating in the chat room. Uh, thank you to all the people that are over there already on YouTube. Uh, you can call into the show using the cat calls line. The number is two five two 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 eight fifty ninety eight. And be sure to smash that thumbs up button, subscribe, and share the show wherever you talk Panthers on the internet. Thanks for listening on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. And uh, if you want to support the show in the off season, we'll be here each and every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. And we're going to be looking at the draft. We're going to be looking at this team, and we're going to keep figuring it all out and working it all out. All right, Cody, this is what I got from this game right here is uh, I learned absolutely zilch. Nothing new. I can hear your TV slightly, by the way. But uh, I can hear I hear nothing new. I've learned nothing new about this team the coaching staff, and even the fan base. Right now, uh, the coaching staff did exactly what they've done all season, and that is North Turner called a nice game. Uh, the defense uh, continued to show zero pressure from the defensive ends. The head coaching staff healthy gave a healthy scratch to Obata and played veterans like Captain Munner and Mike Adams way too long. We continue to see Christian McCaffrey, McCaffrey dazzle, Curtis Samuel continue to blossom, but there's nothing new that I learned about this team going forward. Uh, and I, that's where I'm at is like, everything is the exact same as it was on Tuesday for me.
5: Um, Yes. And no, I, I, I do feel like I did learn one thing. Uh, I feel like Kyle Allen has earned the right to be our backup uh, behind Cam Newton. You know, I, I, Honestly, and I put this out on Twitter, and I'm just going to be honest here. Um, I, it's nothing against the man. I don't think Taylor Heineke is an NFL uh, caliber quarterback. Uh, I, I believe that Kyle Allen has a ton of potential. I think he's a good size. I think he has a better arm. Uh, you know, he made two, uh, two passes today one to DJ Moore right in the breadbasket, and then that long ball touchdown at the end to Curtis Samuel. Uh, which, let's be honest, his knee was down. That shouldn't have been a touchdown. Um, His knee was down a little short of the goal line. But um, I I don't think Taylor would have made those throws. Uh, I think that Kyle Allen has a lot of potential. I don't necessarily know if he's a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL, but I do think that Kyle Allen, um, he, he did what he needed to do today in order to uh, cement himself a roster spot and, in my opinion, be the backup quarterback behind Cam Newton.
4: This is the least important discussion to me in the history of the world is whether <laughs> we have learned that Kyle Allen should be the backup over Tyler Heineke. Now, I do get this, is that I, I think you're right, is that in one vein, and that is that Kyle Allen played well today, Right is yeah. that he went out there and he played. That's what they he did. He just was playing. He didn't the nerves didn't get to him. The situation didn't get too big to him. So admirable job by Allen today. But, yeah. Would I say we haven't learned anything new? This is what I learned too is that half of the internet is still the same exact person they were. Billy Marshall who has got to be one of the most pessimistic people following the Carolina Panthers. Uh, uh, In the world. He's like he's with uh, Billy. There's two Billies and Marxist Panther. They're like the most miserable. You just got to wonder how miserable being a fan of football. The Carolina Panthers is for these guys at times. And he goes this. He put out a tweet that said, Kyle Allen showed that he is a respectable backup quarterback, a legit backup quarterback, and Taylor Heineke does not deserve to be in the league at all. And I just think that this is like, look, first of all, we saw one quarter from Taylor Heineke against uh, Atlanta Falcons team that was playing very hard in that game. We saw Kyle Allen do well, but like this is, this is not even an important discussion when it comes to the overall uh, future of the Carolina Panthers. Where we really should be talking about is this, is, hey, you notice that the Carolina Panthers offensive line has gotten three quarterbacks injured this year?
5: A hundred percent. Yeah, listen, <laughs> our offensive line is where quarterbacks go to die. Okay, it's like Thunderdome. It, it, it's, it's. listen, man, it, it's I've been saying this for a long time, you know, and uh, again, I, I'm going to try and not be the egotistical deuce and be like, I told you so, but I told you so, and I've been telling everyone, this this offensive line, it's, it's bad, man. It's not just a little bit bad. It's not kind of bad. It's really bad. Uh, Marcus Davenport goes completely unblocked and, and just absolutely annihilates Kyle Allen, which, by the way, that should have been a penalty because he came down with it, his the entirety of his body weight on top of Kyle Allen. You're not supposed to be able to do that. That should not have been a flag, should have been a roughing the passer. And, uh, yeah, we were one quarterback away from seeing Christian McCaffrey under center taking snaps from Ryan Khalil. Uh, it's absolutely embarrassing. I
4: think, I, I think we should have gone, if, that, if we got to that point right there, we should just go wildcat. There is no point in even putting Christian McCaffrey out in that situation. Now, to Jetta Jor in the the chat room, I completely disagree about your take with Cameron Artis Payne, that he shows that he's trash, uh, is this, is that Cameron Artis Payne, what we did is we saw, again, nothing has changed. Nothing at all has changed. Cameron Artis Payne gets a few snaps out there early in the game and is productive. That's it. Simply, he has a touchdown. He has some first down conversions, third down conversions. He pushes the pile a couple of times when there was nothing there. And then what happens? Ron Rivera takes him out and puts in Cadet because we got to learn so much about this guy. You have screwed Cameron Artis Payne. I believe that he truly has a workplace discrimination suit on his hands because you can't even do you can't even do the man the solid of giving him an opportunity to uh audition for the offseason a little bit after you have done this to him for 4 years. So then you go to this is that guys is look at this is that Cody though you're absolutely right about the offensive line. It's unsustainable at this point. And it's been unsustainable for a long time now. It's going to need a lot of help. You saw that when no Trade Turner, Moten by himself is just a regular guy when he's by himself. You're going to have to get a couple of – two, at least two big additions to this line and quality depth guy going forward if you want to have any success this year.
5: Yeah, in my opinion – Next
4: year, excuse me, next year. In
5: in my opinion – the Panthers absolutely need to do what the Indianapolis Colts did. So, you know, it's one thing to say, oh, well, they had a top four pick, and they went and got Quentin Nelson, who's, I mean, as advertised, he's an absolute beast at the guard position. But you also don't hear a lot about how they also got Braden Smith, the guard from Auburn, and put him at the other end. And now, you know, Andrew Luck is back to throwing 30-something touchdowns a year. I mean, listen, bottom line is if your quarterback is always having to make plays when there isn't a play to be made because there's no pocket to work with, I mean, I honestly hope that this was a testament and was a showcase to people what Cam Newton does behind this offensive line. He's David Copperfield back there, man. He is an absolute magician that that he makes as many things work as he does. If we want to uh, protect Cam Newton's shoulder and the rest of his career, it's absolutely time to bolster this offensive line. And, frankly, it's been time.
4: Even if Cam Newton isn't necessarily a magician back there all the time, which he is, at the very – what we have to see is this, is give the guy some damn credit about his durability and the fact that he is not dead at this point. That it took this long for 100%. him, you know, that he has survived so much. That's the that's really where he makes this line look better. Is that we would have been through ten quarterbacks if it wasn't for him. Right. Is that these guys are getting murdered out there. Now, uh, Khalil's gone, you know, Larson, Van Roten. I don't know what what role they should play in the long term there. And we really just don't know. Without another tackle, we're gonna have to get a tackle. I don't care if you say it's a right tackle, a left tackle, and Moten can go to left. I have, no, I don't care, don't care which one it is. Is we're gonna need a quality guy that can actually play on one of the ends, and we're gonna need the switch if you make Moten work. Work now. Some other interesting, some good news though is, and I think we continue to see. Like I said, I don't think we learned anything. Um. Let's talk about this, Cody, is where we didn't learn anything from this staff or we learned that they're the same is F.A. Obata, a healthy scratch in this game. Now, I understand Julius Peppers is approaching a milestone, could potentially move into the third spot for uh, NFL sacks, and you owe him that opportunity. I think he got almost there today, but I don't think he did get it in the end. But why is Mario Addison out there playing so much? Why is Mario Addison out there so much? Why can we not see... If F.A. Obata and then Marquise Haynes could be legitimate players and and get him, is not the number one critique for F.A. Obata is that he just lacks experience? Would this not be a good time to see how he does against the run and in pass rushing situations? To me, this was a puzzling move by the coaching staff and Ron Rivera.
5: Yeah, it was really puzzling. And then top it all off that every – you know, publication from ESPN to Fox to Bleacher Report, they're all saying that uh, Ron Rivera and Marty Herney are coming back for another year. And, uh, I mean, yeah, this is kind of what you're going to have to deal with. Uh, you're going to have to deal with these questionable calls and Ron Rivera honestly not being able to efficiently evaluate the talent that he has on the football team. He has no idea. I mean, why is it that in Cameron Artis Payne's fourth year in the nfl he's only now making an attempt to find out what he has in cameras Artist and cameron artist pain uh you know not giving players the time that that they need to actually be out there and be evaluated properly it's i mean it's so maddening to me i i don't understand it for the life of me um you know i'm i'm at the point now where it's like you know the if, if we're ever going to have any chance of being a legitimate Super Bowl contender, it's going to fall in the hands of two men, and it's going to be Cam Newton and Luke Kickley. It's going to be those guys. Are those guys going to be the, the you know the, the superheroes that this organization needs to overcome a, a head coach that is serviceable at best and, and doesn't put his players in the best position both time-wise and managing timeouts and field management and clock management and talent evaluation-wise, uh, he doesn't put our players in the best position to be a consistent football team. So, I mean, I just hope everyone knows how important number one and number 59 is to the Carolina Panthers because they've never been more important than right now.
4: I, I just uh, really disappointed that we did not use this game, even and last week as well, even more as an evaluation tool, or at least I don't. Maybe they did, and I didn't notice it. Maybe I'm missing something, but I think we continued. And one more thing to show you that we didn't learn any everything. What we learned is everything is the exact same. Rondé Barbara Rondé Barber called Colin jones the most athletic player on the carolina panthers if not playing football well is true oh, athleticism so stupid, man then Colin so stupid. jones is the, ridiculous i know craig mccoy brought it up in the in the chat room and i did lose it at that point i'm so look is this what we learned is this is colin jones is going to get an extension in the offseason he'll be back
5: right oh, oh
4: and ian thomas is awesome Ian Thomas is is great. He's, hey, great. Man, he's Colin, gonna be a star.
5: Colin Jones, that boy, fast as hell, man. That boy can run. Yeah, is, run his run. catch up speed, <laughs> his pursuit, his pursuit is crazy. Man, he's so good, man. I, I honestly don't know what we would do without Colin Jones, Tony. I really don't, man. God. That could you imagine the Panthers without Colin Jones? Woo! I don't even want to think about that day. Ah, that's crazy! I
4: tell you this is—he's like uh, the the guy that they call the gym rat. You know, I don't know what a gym yeah. rat, if like what kind of cop of it that is, is but like he yeah. really he does great in the sauna.
5: Yeah, <laughs> he makes everybody
4: he's, happy in the sauna.
5: Well, he's a real God. lunch uh, lunch pail guy. You know, yeah, yeah. he's uh, yeah, he's bringing his own lunch to work. He stays in the gym. You know, all those oh, tropes about the, the white football player, if yeah, we're being yeah. honest. Yeah. Uh,
4: yeah, exactly. But Ian Thomas sensational. I think that uh, that that is – and this is the last point we're going to get to the cat calls – is that um, I think that Ian Thomas has been sensational, and I think it's exactly what you need in the draft to pick up a tight end in the fourth that turns out to be a starting caliber tight end. Yeah. Instead of having to expend a first-round pick – to get a Greg Olson, who then becomes Greg Olson two years later, which happened. That's what the Bears did. They picked him in the first round, and then he goes on and has a good career. I think where you really win in the draft is this, is that you got to pick some of those. Look, tight end is a position that – uh, there's there's probably more tight ends than there are starting tight end positions of guys that can potentially play. And I don't think that you could I, – I don't think that – I think it's nice if you can hit that in the mid-rounds instead of having to use, expend so much draft capital like to get an O.J. Howard, who I think is amazing and I like a lot actually for the Bucks.
5: Yeah, I mean your first and second round picks should be a surefire done deal, you know, a lot DJ Moore. Who's still getting better, still needs to do better on 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 and the at a,
4: And at a position too, though, that is remarkably important. Yeah,
5: absolutely. That's what I think and, the first round. And, and Dante part. and Dante Jackson as well. I think your first and second round, um, you know, again, not a lot of people uh like David Gettelman at this point, and I get it. But one of the reasons why I did enjoy the man was uh he when you listen to his interviews, he kinda let you in on the process. And one of the things yeah. that he, that he said is rounds one through four, you're asking yourselves, why won't they be a good football player? And then rounds, uh, five through seven, you're asking, why will they be a good football player? So you're, you're trying to make sure that you hit on, on the early rounds one and two. That's a surefire player. And then rounds, uh, two through four. I mean, you want some steals that are ultimately going to be a starter on your football team. Um, as of right now, in my opinion, the steals of this past draft for us were Dante Jackson, who I think you have still not seen the best out of yet, uh, and Ian Thomas. I-, I-, I like him to be the heir apparent to Greg Olson. Maybe add another one and um, ha- have a real dynamic two tight end set uh, offense. And yeah, I think we're-, we're ready to roll. But I do like uh, Ian a lot.
4: All right, you can be a part of the show using the Cat Calls line. The number's 252-228-5098. You can even jump in the shindig. The link is in the show notes on YouTube. Let's get into these calls.
6: What's going on, guys? This is your boy, the Blood Cat, Brandon Herbert.
5: And Hello.
6: I'm going to take it a little different route because I actually thought about this a lot. Um, yeah, everybody's from the game and everything. Um, they really didn't tell us too much about our team and moving forward. But... This is about David Kemper. Um I I know everybody wants to be optimistic, but I'm going to throw something out there. Um, I'm hoping he's going to be a great owner and everything, but I hope it's not going to be more of the same because a lot of people don't realize this and, and don't know or whatever. But like, yeah, same with John Fox when you know you we could see it coming three years before he actually got fired. Um, you know you don't want to wait too late like i hope this is not going to be one of those ownerships that waits too late and it puts our franchise and waste cams uh you know prime he's only have probably like a few more years of his prime left uh you know and you don't want to wait too late and then have uh, um you know set the franchise back years and i feel that that's what happened when you know we you know, kept John Fox for those that many, minor amount of years and everything like that and that's not what I want I know I talk a lot about Sam and everything but let's not get it twisted he is the Carolina Panthers he is our franchise and if you're going to keep on giving him and feeding him with not things that won't maximize his potential which is a, a head coach that is Better at time management, is better at talent, talent evaluation that won't hold people, you know, our best talent back can put around to a then you're going to just waste away his prime. Um, so, I mean, I, I know a lot of people don't want to think of that and everything, but I'm just hoping that by keeping Ron Rivera, if he just decided to, uh, it's not going to damage our franchise even further. Uh, but yeah. Um, you know, I might, I, like I said, I, ju- I just don't want Ronald Vera back. And it's not because I hate the guy. He's actually a pretty nice guy and everything like that. But he doesn't have what it takes to, like, I think the, the, the max of his potential was that one year when we went to the Super Bowl and everything fell our way. Uh, and I don't think that he has what it takes to get us over the Hawks. Uh, Well, anyway, guys, just let me know what you think, and y'all are doing a great job, and keep on
5: So that's our longtime caller listener, Brandon Herbert. And uh, for the most part, I don't really have too much disagreeance with it, Um, but this is what I'll say about David Tepper. You're not going to know who David Tepper is at the end of this season. Granted, we're all going to have our opinions about him if he decides not to fire Ron Rivera, Um, And and if if he decides to keep Marty Herney, but you're really not going to know who David Tepper is for, I would say, you know, another two or three years. And you decide um, for yourself uh, based on the actions that he that he takes um, uh, about Panthers training facility and how he handles uh, renovations to Bank of America Stadium and, um, you know, what kind of changes in the organization he decides to implement. Um, so you're really not going to know a whole lot about David Tepper. Um, I, I would say for a while, you're only ever going to start to get a feel for, for him as these changes start to occur. Um, but I'll go ahead and say it now. Um, sometimes uh, the toughest pill to swallow was the one that you swallowed first. And uh, Tony, when you brought up the Ian Rappaport rumor, uh, I think it was a week ago, uh, my first response was, well, I don't know. It's too early. Let's kind of pump the brakes. Let's have a feel for what's going to end up happening, and let's 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 see. But um, I'm seeing more and more, and hearing more and more from people that claim to have sources close to David Tepper that changes will be made. So there might be some some firings this season um, that might include Eric Washington. I don't know, uh, but I think the tough pill that we need to swallow is that Ron Rivera is going to be our head coach in 2019. And until David Tepper comes out and proves us wrong, I think that's just that's the cut and dry of it, Tony. Ron Rivera is going to be our head coach moving forward.
4: Well, you know, I mean, and we don't. I mean, there still is. Like What I've learned is that none of these guys really know. Except, yeah, for, except for Ian Rapoport, usually him and whoever the other one is for ESPN, uh, who's the uh, same. They look the same. Shafter. Uh, yeah. Is that like those are the guys that the NFL calls and says, yeah. here, put this out there. But, like, I mean, even if you look at the Jason Lockett N who started the whole thing, you know, is that really all he said is what everybody already thought, and that is, hey, all this losing – Makes you wonder if Ron Rivera is safe. He just acted like yeah. somebody had told him something more than that. Now, it's not over yet. I mean, there could be some changes. We don't know how deep and systemic the changes are are going to be. Um, but I do think that, like we've also said on this show for several times, is that even if you stick with Ron Rivera through this offseason season, and Marty Herney through the draft that does not signal that David Tepper has confidence in these people yet. It could really just ultimately be about what the next move is. And I do think that that's a legitimate question to ask if you were to fire Ron Rivera, like so many people are calling for. And I'm look as I'm not here trying to defend and say he should be the coach, but who is the next coach, and is that person? someone that you are confident that is not going to just be a bridge till you figure it out, or is that guy, are you confident that he is going to be a long-term potential fix for this? And I don't know any of the names out there right now that I feel remarkably excited about outside of a complete unknown in a Lincoln-Riley like that's just a wild card. It'd be so exciting because it's so new and it's different, it's fresh. And I've got I like the guy because he has ties to ECU and stuff like that. But other than that, like if you told me you were gonna bring in Mike McCarthy, and all of a sudden that this is gonna fix everything, is I don't know if I feel that way. No. So it, it, it's that I do want to know? I, I I want people to just caution this: is that firing Ron Rivera and Marty Herney is only one side of the coin. You better have the other side of the coin. Uh, with a a legitimate plan other than let's just be mad at somebody. Now, I do think that those moves at GM still legitimately could be made after the draft. I think that this is a fair way of doing it. It could be a, a really good way of doing it in some ways. And then I'd also point to this is that that wouldn't be so bad entirely given Marty Herney's draft last year of DJ Moore, Dante Jackson, and Ian Thomas that's a pretty damn good uh get back in, get your feet wet again
5: yeah and uh, listen if he can hit on some lineman picks the same way he did those guys'm uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not mad at it I mean and honestly to be honest like Tony I think you and I are kind of more talk about the GMs than I've seen other people talking about it um you know just because I, I guess you and I have kind of felt like well, if David Tepper's gonna come in and start his, you know, his, you know, his official uh, Panthers regime change, well then why wouldn't you throw uh, Marty Herney in that as well? Right. But I really don't right. I, I I really don't feel like most people, you know, at in the media and even amongst Panther fans really have a lot of ire towards Marty Herney per se. I think right now it's mainly just Ron Rivera. Uh, that that bears the the blunt of Panther fans ire. Um, what I will say is this though, uh, if if I, I really don't think that he has been um, a problem since he's returned. Granted, he's only been back a year, but uh, right. uh, there have been reports that he's already trying to extend an offer to Eric Reed, so he wants him to be back, which. Uh, I think that's a good move for us. That's one less position that you have to draft uh, in safety. Uh, You can put him around a free safety or a strong safety.
4: Who, by the way, I think, again, we saw, we didn't learn anything new about Eric Reed. is he's a shoulder. He likes to blow people up with the shoulder, and he doesn't wrap up. And look, is I'm is I I hope I hope he comes back. I hope he plays strong safety and I hope we get a guy who's even better at free safety beside him that could really give us some freedom and some latitude. Mm-hmm. But you know, he was in on that missed tackle him and Colin Jones together uh yeah. on that running back who crashed through 12 people to get into the end zone. But yeah, you're yeah. right. Is that I don't understand, Cody? Just back to your point about the GMs. I don't understand why people think that changing the coach first is a wise decision. It seems to me that uh, who would truly believe that Tepper thinks he knows enough about football that his expertise is enough about football to make that? It's not like he's going to be owner GM, right? So I mean, I think uh, that Got when it. you're a when you're a big guy like that, is like you just know this is that. I'm picking a guy who have faith, who I think is super talented on this, and I so I that's why I think the whole coaching thing is a non-starter until we see what happens with GM.
5: Yeah, I'm 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 pretty much in lockstep with with your opinion on that. Um, I mean, I, I honestly I still did want to see, uh, maybe if it could have gotten a Nick Casario, which I know uh, Hartman or Harman, the the guy that that you interviewed Hatman. on the show, Hat- Hatman. Hatman admin, apologies, doesn't think that uh, they're ever going to pry him away from uh, New England. And there's a few other people um, in Seattle as well. Um, I, I Like I said, I would have liked to have, and I know I've used this term before, just ripped off the Band-Aid. If we're going to do some new, some new stuff here in Carolina, let's start the process now rather than hoping that it's going to fix itself. But again, and you hear a lot of people saying this, but David Tepper comes from an organization where they practice patience. I mean, the Steelers had three head coaches in like, what, 30 something years or something crazy like that? So, yeah, I, yeah. I under, yeah so I understand why David Tepper wants to maybe pump the brakes a little bit. Um, but again, like you said, uh, even though it leans as though we're going to have them both, uh, right now it's uncertain. None of us have any idea what's going to happen. Uh, going forward in the next few weeks in in Panther football?
4: The change could already be determined, actually, in some ways, but it just might not be on the timeline that we want it to be. And that is he could have be making this like, hey, this is the better way to do it. And we'll see if that's the case or if he gets stuck in that muck that Brandon Herbert is concerned about. But I, I think it's kind of hard to be a bad owner unless you're an embarrassment. And I already think he's already shown that he's more excited about being an owner to the team than Jerry Richardson was at that point. So I don't I don't think I, I'm, I'm optimistic about the ownership of this team and the future direction. Hey, we're going to get younger quicker. Here's our next cat call. The numbers 252-228-5098.
7: Hey, CP3 podcast It's the world famous. G. Kibassi, hey. hey, man, I feel good, That's man. It. We're not going to the playoffs, but damn, man. 7-9, and we actually won a game.
0: <laughs> <like forever. laughs> it Six does.
7: Like forever, man. And I'm going to say this right now. Kyle Allen should be our daggone backup quarterback starting next year. Heineke, Two you nine, know, he did man. what he had to damn do, but did you guys see the way Kyle Allen was damn fucking playing? He's that playing dude was good. playing his daggone ass he off, did. man. I mean... He looked look pretty damn good, man. I'm not audition, gonna lie. baby. Line, did okay, you know. I know he went out with that sh- with a shoulder injury <laughs> or whatever, man. You know, but the way until I look they at got seven kills, Kyle Allen played a hell of a game. <laughs> he played pretty damn good. And they I know we're not going to the playoffs, but is it just me or where in the hell has this fire been for the last past six games, man? Like for real, man. We're not going to the I playoffs. Mean, man. But we're 79, and at least I can go to bed tonight with a smile while I go to work in a couple of hours with a smile on my face that we're 79. And we beat them damn cocky-ass damn Saints fans. And I hope I hope they do lose in the damn playoffs. I really do. You know, so tell me about Kyle Allen and Pepper's getting that damn 150-something daggone sack. And always, always remember, man, keep going to bed,
4: did did him. he get the record, did he get the record when it was all said and done? I mean, no, did he move I up? Be,
5: no, I believe he is still a half a it's sack a half a, half a uh, sack. Not even a full sack. You know what sack, is that sack. why could
4: I think this is I was ready. You remember what Brett Favre did for Michael Strahan? And Brett Favre fell down on purpose and let Michael Strahan at the end of a game when it didn't matter get the sack to put him over why couldn't at this point Julius Peppers meant so much to the NFL the guard just let him blow I mean, the tackle just let him blow by at the end of the game and blast somebody and get that number I think it was worth it I think if you give him another if the Panthers would have given him what he truly deserved which is a true playoff run he would have clearly had that he moved up those spots so That was a sad thing to me, but hey, let's do talk about this Kyle Allen because maybe I am, and I maybe I'm just a bah humbug on the whole thing, but he Uh did go out there and play hard, and like you said, he was tossing it downfield. Again, what I think we didn't, what we learned about the team is that we just, what we already knew, and that is Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore are enough, enough. Like, is that you put a third big – you could get a guy in free agency who's just a bigger body to put out there with them, and it's going to work. DJ Moore immediately, once he catches the ball, turns north. Immediately. That's what I love about him. No lateral movement, not an inch, no diagonal, straight north-south after he gets the ball, and he's so good. And Curtis Samuel, man – He's trying to tell everybody he's a player. you see how disappointed he was when he couldn't come down with that touchdown? He caught the ball, but he was out of bounds.
5: Yeah, man, listen, and uh, this is what what I think. I mean, Curtis Samuel next year, God forbid, you know, that anything uh, continues to be bad with Cam Newton's shoulder. But if Cam Newton comes back healthy, Curtis Samuel is your deep threat. Uh, I think Tory uh, Smith has been good in the, in the locker room, but for, for a large part of the season, he's been pretty non-existent. Um, Curtis Samuel is your guy. He's our new tape again. We just have to let him be that, you know? We, uh, we need to establish this connection. I'm hoping between Cam Newton and Curtis Samuel down the field, uh, you add in some, some help. And here's another thing, man. I, you know, Traditionally, your number one wide receiver is an outside guy, so they're playing on you know nearer to the end zone. But man, I don't know about you, but I think DJ Moore is devastating from the slot. I really think that that, that a lot of he can do a lot of damage from that position, especially because that yards after the catch he has, man, he's so dynamic with the ball in his hands. He's not really the type of receiver that's going to go out and make the crazy one-handed catch, per se. But he is the type of guy that you put the ball in space, give him the ball, and he's good for another 25 yards, you know? Uh, I really do think that there needs to be some consideration. I think he can be a number one. I think he can be a number one. And I want to clarify, I'm not saying that that he can't be that. Uh, But what I'm saying is I do think that DJ Moore – from the slot, could be a very, very powerful weapon for us and how we continue to use him going forward.
4: I do agree that what I want to see is this, and I think we started to see a little bit of it in that Baltimore game, and that is is I want to see a Panthers offense with a new forward progressive vision to where Christian McCaffrey, Curtis Samuel, and D.J. Moore – can be like these just three athletic superstars. And then when you need a guy that's just the, that you the, whoever the Devin Funtis replacement is, is just somebody else that isn't going to make you worse. I think I can envision Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore. I think that DJ Moore is so aggressive up at the, at the catch point too. He's, I I've yeah. been impressed. I think I, I think the sky is the limit for the kid. I think that if he wouldn't have had the two fumbles in this in, in this season, his we would have been like talk we would have been talking about how he arguably is the best receiver in, out of this class. And I am not impressed by the argument that there are six other rookie wide receivers who have more touchdowns than TJ Moore. To me, that's a yeah. meaningless stat. Uh, is that DJ Moore didn't even start, like Brother Herbert said, till like week eight.
5: Yeah, and it lacks all the context in the world. It, it doesn't tell you how those touchdowns occur. It doesn't tell you what personnel they were using. I mean, it's there, there's so much more that that goes into it. And on on top of that, listen, I mean, I'll say this a million times: when your number one quarterback isn't, uh, even though Cam played so well this season. When when your quarterback is limited in the type of throws that he's able to make, that's going to hurt wide receiver play. So, you know, it's it's not like it was necessarily even all his fault. Um, Listen, I've said before, DJ Moore has some areas that that he needs to grow in, and that's not unfair to say. It's his first year in the NFL. Um, I, I do think, though, that he can be an integral part of our offense moving forward even more so than he already is and he's already proven that he can be an incredible asset for this team so yeah i'm a 100 in agreement with you you know give the reins to uh christian mccaffrey dj moore and curtis samuel add in another big body receiver if devin Funches doesn't want to take the right deal and then let's let's move on man let's roll
4: Devin Funchess is not welcome on this team no more, clearly. I mean, they he it, was another scratch, He was a scratch today, and I don't it believe it was because way. he was hurt. Yeah, and I, I
5: it, think the coaches are done with him.
4: So here is that, and I'm okay with DJ Moore doing that damage from the slot, is that, you know, A.J. Green has been phenomenal out of the slot position this year, or he was earlier in the season when we were going up against them. So I'm a, that, that doesn't bother me one bit. I think we could just be so fast and so dynamic with these guys that where the reverses all of a sudden are just like not even exciting anymore because once you get these guys, just get them in space, both of them. Get them going deep. Get You know what I mean? I just think it's going to be great. The number is 252-228-5098. Be a part of the C3 post-game
8: show. Uh, That game was pretty bittersweet. Uh, I was like the first time I think I've ever rooted against the Panthers winning because I know we have probably dropped about six spots today in the draft, but it is what it is, as John Fox used to say. Um, I guess my thoughts on this game, uh, I really like – where DJ Moore was at, it looked like he had matured a lot in his route running and catching, and he was very confident with um, with where he was playing the game today. So we got that to look forward to in the, in the future. Um, the defense was a little rough. So, I mean, Colin Jones got an interception though, So was, that was best athlete, was nice, I suppose. Best athlete. Um, I think one name that, like, we've, that we don't really think about anymore that we are kind of missing is uh, Coach Ricky Prohl. Like, Ricky Prohl, even though he didn't have like the best talent in his coaching group, he had yeah. those guys ready and, and playing better than their ability. And uh, I know he took some time off to help his kid to get to college, but hopefully... We can see if we can get him back within the next year or so and really help coach up D.J. Moore and Curtis Samuel and have them be elite talent square. Uh, that's just my thoughts. Keep on the guys. I uh, look
5: forward to 2019 season.
4: The Lan- Lance Taylor, currently our wide receiver coach. Isn't that his name, Lance Taylor?
5: Yeah, he was the uh, coach at Stanford.
4: And he comes in, and you know he was a little bit ahead of McCaffrey, so that there was some clues there. But you know, Prohl is that uh, he's got a great point here. Is this is despite? Let's not, I because I don't want to throw shade on what Lance Taylor has done uh, in this in this case because we just don't know. But Ricky uh, Ricky Pro was the toast of the town when he was our wide receivers coach, and he did get a lot out of Devin Funches. Uh, Lance Taylor had Devin Funches playing all right last year, too, though. But you're right. He got a bunch of nobodies to do a lot of good things. Imagine what he could do with some somebodies.
5: Calvin right Benjamin now, had a thousand-yard season with Ricky Poe as the coach. So, yeah, maybe he's on to something.
4: Yeah. So, um, and this is that we're going to have to, and I think this was going to be an important discussion in the offseason on the C3 Panthers podcast is that, if Ron Rivera does stay through, throughout 2019 in that season and there and this th- going back to this Jason Lock and Farah, and Fora uh, article that came out today, I think, or yesterday about now Rivera is safe, but there's going to be changes. Well, of course, there's going to be changes. I mean, like, but really, it's going to be additions. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be an addition of of a defensive coordinator. It's going to be an addition of some experienced position, positional coaches. In many ways, what I could see is this is that, and hopefully if we'll, we'll see if we have more of the same, if Ron Rivera just puts in one change and he picks in a yes, man, that he can put on defensive coordinator spot, then, then he hasn't learned anything. But if he goes out there and says, this is, I need a guy who's fresh, who's strong, who I can work with and get along with and then let them pick their staff almost uh, and, and have some faith in that. I think that that will go a long way, but we got to hire a defensive coordinator or Ron Rivera is going to have to come out and say, I'm going to do both. And then he's going to have to go and hire some real positional coaches or some additional. Yeah. Coaches.
5: And, you know, I'm not, I'm not mad at Ron Rivera calling the defense. I mean, there are many coaches in the NFL that call the offense from the head coaching position and they let, you know, they uh, designate other jobs to the offensive coordinator. I'm not mad or if Ron Rivera chooses to do the same thing. I will give a little bit of credit to Ron Rivera and to even Eric Washington. And I think this is something that you and I have echoed throughout the course of the season. Um, our pass rush got old over the course of the wow. off season. And it just appeared to be a problem. So I honestly don't think that you can even give a fair evaluation to uh, Eric Washington as the defensive coordinator when you basically had zero pass rush. I mean, you're giving, uh, you know, uh, quarterbacks and wide receivers the opportunity to just throw all over the field. And even in spite of that, Dante Jackson made some plays. Eric Reed made some plays later on. Uh, Mike Adams did some, some good work. And we know those linebackers, they're always running around doing their job. So, I mean, if you don't have a pass rush on defense, you're, you're kind of handcuffed in what you're even able to do. So here's, this might not be a very popular opinion, but um, I don't know that uh, Eric Washington was the problem with our defense. And I'm not really upset if they um, you know, say, listen, everyone had a bad year but we're going to have another go at this with you as a defensive coordinator in um, in 2019. Update that defensive line, get them some better pass rushers, and let's give them a, a more fair assessment next year.
4: I don't think that that's going to be the case. Uh, I I do think that, yeah, Eric, but I do I I do understand what you're actually saying, though, or or what you're saying with Eric Washington is that I think that he uh, could be a slightly scapegoatish, but he didn't make us better at the same time. Is that our defense just completely yeah. underperformed while he was the defensive coordinator, and whether that is a lack of talent, whether that is not being able to get everybody on the same page. It just was a, a it was a symphony of problems when it comes to the defensive side of the ball for so long, and then it got a it got slightly better. That's what it did. It only got slightly better when Ron Rivera took over. But guys, just I mean, it, it it's a it's so much a talent issue when you know that like hey, is that Minterland Adams? Addison. These guys were just not producing at the level the, that that is going to be necessary that, that you need. And then look, I mean, we just got old quick, fast, in a hurry. Joey called it in like week one or or it no, might it have even the been pre- week two. Pre- it, was, yeah. it was
5: the pre- season that Joey called it. Joe, Joey hit the nail on the head. That might have been the best call that he's ever made.
4: Yeah. I mean, so is, and you're right, but you don't know. But what Eric Washington, if he's humble enough to just continue to stay with the team and be a, a D line coach, but I think it depends on too, who you bring in as a coordinator. Wilkes could come back. That could be a solution there is that. You know, there's a lot of different things that can happen, but it's going to have to be magical in this next year if Ron Rivera wants to survive, if he does, in fact, survive. You're listening to the C3 Panthers post-game show. The number's 252-228-5098.
3: Here's the next call. Hey, guys, what's going on, man? Happy uh, happy. (laughs) Happy Sunday post-game. I'm actually listening to the show right now, and I just had a few thoughts. I really wanted to kind of pick your brains on something. Uh, And my whole thought process today is around the safety position. What do you guys think about our safeties moving forward? I saw Limited Golden today. He He looked pretty good. Uh, Obviously, we know the deal with Eric Reed, uh, hoping that he'll come back on a team friendly deal. Uh, Mike Adams is pretty much done. Really old guy. A lot of love for him, though. Uh, I just feel like we need a true ball hawking, free safety, uh, coverage guy guy that gets fits. I don't feel like we have that or have had that on the roster in some time. Uh, every safety that we've got involved in and hopefully if we sign, I feel like the line of scrimmage guys, they play the run really well. Uh They can come up and contain, uh, but I don't sometimes they're pretty decent with the tight ends. I don't feel like we have a guy that is just a and, and I know we've we'll he doesn't uh, kind of put a lot of emphasis on the safety position as it is, so I don't think it's something where we'll spend a round one or round two, pick on a guy unless he's just awesome, uh, like the best out there. So what are your thoughts? What do you think we need to do? Do you like the safeties on our roster if we keep going forward? I uh, just wanted to pick your brain. Thanks, guys.
4: All right, Cody. As I actually have some strong opinions about this. Is I think that um, Eric Reid and, and Don't – I don't want to hear nothing about it. I'm I just uh, I'm an Eric Reed hater or something like that. Is that I think Eric Reed was a good addition to the team. I called for him. I was very excited about him. I think that we saw that he did a very important and uh, an admirable job of getting into football shape, learning the defense, and to those things quickly. I think this though is that I think Eric Reed uh, has played well, but I don't think he's played great. And so, what I am my point in making this is is only for one reason. It's not. I think it would be nice to sign Eric Reed. Um, I think that it's understandable he wants market value, but depending on what he means by market value, is not obviously a top strong safety in the league, but one of the mid tier potentially. But I think if you paired a really big, like a crazy awesome, talented. Uh, free safety, like the caller is saying, with Eric Reed, that Eric Reed could be all of a sudden so much better, and that is where I truly think that going forward could be awesome. Is look at what the guy for uh, the Chicago Bears has done this year. That guy has been crazy awesome. So if you could put somebody who was even better than Reed beside him, you could like almost create the Legion of Boom back there. Quickly,
5: Yeah. So I'm of the opinion, and I think I'm probably in the minority uh, um, about this, but I think that safeties are more important than cornerbacks. Because when you have safeties that are cutting off entire parts of the field, it allows cornerbacks to play the football, meaning they can go for interceptions. Like they can try and take the ball away. I mean, look at what Seattle had with Earl Thomas. I mean, he was in the position where – Uh, You know, Richard Sherman and uh, I think Brandon Prowner was his name. They could just go for the football whenever they needed to because they had two safeties that would lay the boom on you. And they were quick to both sides of the field. And see, this is the dilemma that I come to. Right. So I don't know where our draft order is right now. Um, I don't know where we are. We're probably somewhere between 11 and 15, anywhere in that period. Um, but uh, the bell of the ball in this year's draft for free safety is a guy by the name of Deontay Thompson out of Alabama, and it would seem to me as of right now that we would be in range to pick up a guy like that, and essentially what he would do for us or could do for us is what Eddie Jackson does for Chicago or, or what um, – uh, I forget his name right now, the, the guy from uh, Kansas City uh th- who's always hurt uh as of late. Um I'm sure the will Yeah, Eric Berry. Uh, you know, he's he's one of those kinds of players. So if if you drafted someone like him and then, you know, moved uh Eric Reed, as you've been talking about, to the strong safety position, yeah, man, that's not a bad look uh at all. The problem there is you'd be you're spending a first round draft pick at safety instead of where we all feel is incredibly important, and that's the offensive and defensive line. So, um, you know, now that the season's over, free agency is going to be a huge deal for us, um, you know, and how we decide to attack different positions. But um, uh, for what the caller is asking about, I absolutely would like to upgrade the safety position. Mike Adams has played well. But the man's almost what 40 years old or something now. It's time to make an effort to get younger at just about every position that there is and you know be more dynamic than we have been the past few years.
4: All right, so Carlton asked this in the chat room What about Galden? And you know, I've been excited about Galden as a because we needed somebody on this at this position. But I don't think uh, what my concern with Golden is right now is can he be that that compliment that quickly to Eric Reed? Where what I think we need to do is pair Eric Reed with a player beside him who is even better than Eric Reed is. I think if Eric Reed is the best of the two safeties back there, we're always going to be slightly disappointed with that. But I actually I'm with you, Cody. Is that if you put a rangy guy back there who is a ball hawk? Who, ha- who can tackle, who's kind of a game player, who can even cover uh, as well, it is that I think all of a sudden you're going to make Dante Jackson, who you've got for four years without any problem, he could be just sensational. And then I think James Bradbury all of a sudden can settle into a better role as well. And that secondary could be all of a sudden the source of strength for this team. So I am concerned that Golden might not be that guy right away. I'm not saying he can't be a very good player in the future or even next year, but I don't know if we could build it in the manner that I'm kind of envisioning. Now, my question to you, Cody, though, so you said all of this comes down to free agency, a lot of important things there that could happen. The good news about this is that free safeties play a lot longer in the NFL. like They have a longer career length, and they have to be cheaper than a defensive end. So if you did want to take a high dollar risk, and I don't know who the guy is necessarily, but maybe that is a more financially feasible way of adjusting the roster positively going forward than going and signing Clowney, who I saw someone say in the chat room, that would be exciting. Also, those slightly concerned with the longevity of Clowney and health issues, he's never been 100%.
5: Yeah, he's never been a hundred percent. Um I mean listen, we can all dream. I feel every year there's a player that we want to go out and spend a ton of money on and, and it kinda never ends up working out. Um so in, in my mind, um, you know, that's DeMarcus it's Lawrence. That Dallas guy. Yeah, it's DeMarcus yeah. Lawrence, man. But see, yeah. I, I don't I don't know I don't know um yeah, what the Cowboys cap space looks like. But, um, I personally think they would be stupid to let that man go um but if he does if for whatever reason hit the market, I mean he does he's everything that we want. He's a hand in the dirt defensive lineman um and I, I think he would be perfect for us. um some other names to throw out there is that um um uh where is it? Earl Thomas is gonna be a free agent as of uh next year. And I don't know what his health is like. I don't know. Well, he how did. He,
4: like, blasted that leg or that knee or something. Remember, he gave the F-U, yeah. the bird. Yeah, he shot, the
5: shot, him, <laughs> shot him the bird, let him know how he really felt. Um, and also, he's a Dal- lifelong Dallas fan, so uh, I think that was his preferred landing spot. But I, I think whoever pays you, that's where you want to play. Um, so I, I don't know, man. I would love to bolster um, uh, our backfield and have this type of backfield where instead of Bradbury having to worry about saving the play and making the tackle, he's actually in a position to go for the interception because he knows that he has a badass right behind him that's you know going to be right on the play with him. I mean that that's an important position. I think safeties are the most important position in your defensive backfield, even more so than corners. And um, yeah, I I think that we should have the best safeties and the linebackers in the NFL and we would have the best defense that there is.
4: Yeah, you could do a lot more creative things with with the defense if you didn't always have to count on the nickel corner being so important. You know, and right now we don't have a solution to that. So if you could put two safeties out there and one can serve as a corner, kind of one can get down in the box if necessary or play some of those kind of in-between roles, I think it would be a a great uh, asset to have. I think it would be a way that you could quickly turn around the defense going forward. Uh, I don't know if you're going to be able to inject a ton of pass rush just instantly, even through free age. I think you can improve it but it's going to be really tough to get a guy that's going to come in as a rookie and just be a baller right away. I mean, it's possible, but I don't know if it's probable. And then if you are going to go into free agency, that's going to cost a ton of money for that position. You know, it's like going and getting a left tackle, which obviously we haven't had any success with. We haven't tried in the draft either, Uh, but at the same time, who knows? A lot to to follow. Numbers 252 228
8: Hey, guys, this is Jedi Jor. Uh, I just wanted to call in again and, um, and say a lot of people have been saying, oh, we need another receiver, we need a number one receiver, this, that. That's the one thing that I have to vehemently disagree on because Cam Newton, if Cam Newton turns out to be the future quarterback next year, he does best when he doesn't have a number one and he doesn't try to force it to somebody. Um, I think the guys that we have, if we can go on with more right and Samuel, then we're good. Um, maybe get another tight end if Greg Olson doesn't come back. Uh, and one other point I wanted to make was, um, Tony, you had talked about, uh, one of the things that getting brought was uh, his media savvy. The one thing that I miss about Gettleman is he was the one person in the organization that everybody feared. Like, if you didn't do your job, you wouldn't have a job. Uh, The one knock I – one of the knocks I can say on Ryan Rivera is that he's almost too nice to his players. It's like, oh, if you don't do this, then it's all right. Get back at him next week. Which is good, but you need that. Um, you need the other, the tough parent as well to be like, okay, you need to be on your P's and Q's. Uh, one of the things he told Cam Newton, Cam Newton was having uh, kind of some rough seasons those first two years. He came in and said, hey, you're gonna have to take over this offense, and if you don't, then you're not gonna be our quarterback anymore. And then Cam Newton went and proceeded to have one of the best uh seasons of his career at that time and then he was like all right you are our guy so i don't know i think we just i don't know how we're gonna get that <laughs> if, if Rod decides to hire somebody else but that was just my thought. yeah right,
4: getting- i think i think that's a fantastic call i agree a lot with that is that first is that i love Gettleman when he was here i thought it was i thought he was doing such a good job and then and kind of in retrospect in hindsight, twenty twenty, but just the draft didn't turn out. Uh, there's a lot of guys that I wish that just aren't on the team. So that's the hard part. Uh, you have some other things where – but he did have a – I liked it. The two things I really liked about him, like you said, Cody, earlier, it was remarkably candid. When it comes to uh, the way he felt about the team. And, you know, he did, it just, I felt like everybody thought he was going to be this slimy New Yorker that was going to come in and do all these things. I feel like he just told you exactly what he was thinking and then did it. But at the same time, too, is boy, there was a level of fear when it came to Dave Gettleman, was like the iron fist back there. While right now, Ron Rivera is the cuddly players' coach, it seems like at this point. And, uh, and right now also Marty Herney missing in action. Marty Herney used to come on the radio a lot, talk about the team personnel things. And he was all, it was all out there when we were six and two, he has disappeared since then. And I think if there is a big criticism about Marty Herney, it comes back to his kind of contracts, his uh, wanting to hook his guys up that he has felt some loyalty to. So there's some questions there is, is he tough enough for the job? Uh, in in when it's necessary.
5: Yeah, you know, uh, Ron Rivera has been known as a player's coach for a very long time now. Um, everyone loves him, and oh, you know whenever. <laughs> well, no, I mean, really, I mean, for for as long as he's been here, I mean, no one's ever had really anything. At least not that I know. Uh, Have you ever heard any player say anything but glowing things about Ron Rivera and and what he's done with the locker room? In in fact, you know, Jerry Allen, who came and played for us in 2015, said that it was one of the best locker rooms that he had ever been a part of. And that's a part of the the culture that the coach instills. So um, to Jedad George's point, you know, he was talking about a a coach that really – get on your ass and and we'll tell you what was what's demanded of you um so uh, they just had the college football semifinals yesterday and alabama and clemson uh, it'll be the fourth year in a row that they're going to play each other but i was on reddit and i noticed that you know uh davos and nick saban they do this thing where even if they're winning in a blowout if one of their players makes a mistake they lose their freaking mind. Like (laughs) they go out of their mind. Like you dumbass, you know what you had to do right there. And a lot of people on, on Reddit were like, uh, you're up by 25, maybe calm down a little bit boss. And then that's when it dawned on me. Like Clemson has a motto called the best is the standard. And you know, when you have that kind of mindset, when you're the best at what you do, there's a reason Alabama and Clemson are always in the championship. It's because they have the best coaches and they implement the best culture with the best players and they have a level of, um, of excellence that is required at all times. So I understand when Jed Adjor is kind of feeling as though there might not be that on the, on the team right now. With Ron Rivera, um, maybe that means he's gone a little bit complacent in his time here. Um, I don't know. All I know is that the players love him. But I do agree, though. I'm, I'm not upset at having a coach whose main priority and his main standard is do your job at all times of the football game First, second, and third quarter. Um, I don't know that Ron Rivera does that at all.
4: To the original point, of, or to the first point that he made, and that is about the call. Some people are saying that the, I, I've even so heard, uh, saw Joe Person write this: is that the Panthers uh, could benefit from adding another wide receiver. Uh, I, I kind of feel like in, but I'm with him in that I don't think we need to prioritize that but at the same time also adding a really dynamic receiver. Think about this. Michael Thomas drafted in the second round with the 47th pick is that you add a player like that alongside of those to that mix. It could help more than we know or we can envision. So I don't want to just completely rid myself of the, uh, the possibility of it being a good thing, but I right now don't think it's the most important priority but boy, uh, we are we're getting really close. If you can protect Cam, if you did, if you were finding a way to mend that offensive line, think about this: if you could mend that offensive line and add one receiver, I can't think of a weakness on that. I mean, that, it, it could be just crazy good, but it's all going back to the line.
5: Yeah, yeah, I, and I, I think I think we're all on lockstep in that build up the offensive and defensive line. And um, I, I kind of think that the places that we have in position are are kind of, it doesn't sound like a glowing endorsement, but they're good enough to do the job, you know, uh, depending on right. how much money. Yeah. De- depending on how much money Shaq Thompson's going to want uh, in free agency and, uh, you know, Daryl Williams. There's some big question marks on the team right now, but if we can, you know, upgrade the roster and, keep it for the most part the same with some team-friendly deals, there's no reason why we shouldn't be right back in this next year.
4: The good news is we can get young. Know, if, if being old is our problem, we're going to be forced to get young quick, and that is there's going to be a lot of guys that are gone, uh, and, and it even appears that Funchess is obviously a part of this group now. He's one of the younger of that group, but Mike Adams, Munerlin, Peppers – uh, Khalil, there is an opportunity for us to be by, by force to get young quick. I, I do think this is that man, if you could add one tackle that worked and then you could find a guy that could become a Michael Thomas, is that imagine those three wide receivers. In two years from now, together. Uh, now, I think we're going to have to do a whole show this offseason about Shaq Thompson because I believe we've already picked up his fifth year option. I don't we'll have to do some research into seeing if we can get out of that still. I think we are able to, if I remember how it went with Benjamin. Um, but that he's going to cost $9 million next year and he's on IR right now with a shoulder. He has been lobbying hard to be with the Carolina Panthers in the long term. He has been very active on social media very positive very fan friendly i think these are all subtle things pointing to hey i know that the money is about to come or could come but nine million dollars is a lot right now and we i don't know if we have seen, you know so there's going to be a big question mark there going forward you're listening to the c3 panthers podcast we got one more call to get through right now the numbers is 252-228-5098 let's see what they got
2: Hi, right, what's up, C three, the post oh, edition? What's going on, guys? This is Carl. What's, up, Carl? what's that, motherfucking Carl? <laughs> 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 what
6: but anyway, guys,
2: um, um, for the You're show Tuesday, where is we gonna have a show Tuesday night? we Oh, is it oh, yeah. New Year's Day again? I don't know, but uh, anyway, New Year's Day
4: or New Year's Eve?
2: Tuesdays will be my defensive end it's New Year's prospect day, to the day. Well, I Tony, I don't. I today I'm calling Tony. I don't know if you got my um, message from last week on the third call. Um, what I was basically saying was, you know, fans coming up like for last week's all the run. Apologist that was on the show, no Bron this. Last week I voiced my opinion. You know what? Uh, I I don't give a damn if we won today or not. And all the players that did good, that that shows you that Bron is out of touch with his own player. You don't even know how good his own players is. If he did, <laughs> yeah. he would get out of his ways. And let them boys play. You see how a lot of them were balling their butts off today. Ron should go. I don't give a damn. Not, you am know, where, 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 Who's out there better? Well, I tell you what, apologies, Ron, apologists. When when the same shit happened next year, Ron does the same lame-ass interviews will miss opportunities after losses when he throw the players under the bus when he don't play the right yep. players. And yep. and he shows. All fair
4: criticisms. All fair criticisms.
2: Then I don't want to hear none of you people complaining about rhyme. You know what? Because this is what you wanted. You wanted rhyme back. You wanted another lame duck season. You get what you pay for. That old saying, you get what you pay for. So, that's just that's my opinion, and, and we'll see. But I'm out. All right. Unless man. something else come up, that I might call back. But <laughs> <all right.
4: laughs> look, is that I think that uh, th- the cool news is I don't like when people on Twitter are always like, "I told you so," "I told you so," "I said this," "I said this." Like uh, I'm the best GM ever. But what, what we have done on the C3 podcast this season is identify these same conversations that we're still having here. And I don't, I don't have an opinion. I, I don't claim to know what is the right thing is that I do know this is that those criticisms of Ron Rivera and the people that really are desperately calling for change, they're fair. They're fair criticisms. There's a, they're a fair. Uh, it's a fair position to have. And I think that. Uh, we continue uh, the debates we have about whether the offensive line is, the health of Cam Newton, the uh, the player evaluation component of Ron Rivera. To me, that still goes back. That, to me, has been the biggest thing that I've had a problem with Ron so far, more than the clock management. Because I, I, I think there's some times where I think I know what you're supposed to do, uh, but I don't claim to be an expert enough. I wish that he was more expert than he is obviously, but to me, the end of the day, the biggest problem with this team has been not knowing when to pull the plug on a guy and put a new guy in. And I thought it was going to get better with North Turner. And I don't know if it, it got slightly better, but to me, again, like we even saw that in today's game. And that's why I started off the show, Cody saying, what have we learned that this is all the same stuff going on to me I thought this was a very important time to evaluate some talent on the defensive line, specifically Marquise Haynes and F.A. Obata, to see we know who Wes Horton is. We know who Brian Cox Jr. is. You've seen plenty of them. Why is it that those guys are? You need to play Golden. You need to play Corn Elder. You need to play all of these different linebackers. And I think, again, it showed when we put in Cadet over Cameron Artis Payne. Like, come on, we're not, I mean, like, where is, why aren't we putting more aggressively if Ron is confident in learning more about how to fix from this season to next?
5: Yeah. um, So, and I have some breaking news that I just got on Twitter that I feel the need to uh, officially drop right now. Um, Per... uh, rap report, and this is michael silver putting this out ron rivera has been told he will return in 2019 according to a okay. source familiar with the panthers plan so there's no more stipulation it is what it is ron rivera is going to be our head coach in 2019.
4: yeah so, so now now it's all about what happens after the draft with the gm that's going to tell us if Tepper, how itchy Tepper is. If we just continue on and we give both of these guys one season, then we're going to get all in, we're going to be in this conversation all over again next year, unless we have just yeah. crazy success.
5: Uh, listen, Ron Rivera needs to do better. If it, if our players have to be better at their position, then Ron Rivera needs to be better at his. It's time to end all the stupid uh, clock management crap. It's time to to give your younger players the time and, and the 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 room to grow and flourish with the football team. And it, it's time to really uh, throw the gasoline on the fire. It's time. It's been time. Um, you know, we were all hoping that. Uh, this is was going to be his last year, but it's not. So I'm not gonna, you know, I, I'm not going to be a pessimist about it and be all whole hum you know. Tony, I've been asking for a while if you're a, a Panther fan and, and Ron Rivera comes back, are you even excited about the next season? Well, I love the Carolina Panthers, and I'm always going to be excited about them. And he's the head coach right now, so I mean, it is what it is. We're going to go forward with Ron Rivera as the head coach, but all the things that you and me and Joey have been saying since literally day one of the season, they have to get better. An old dog has to learn new tricks, and if it doesn't, and if it doesn't get better, there is absolutely zero reason why if we have another disappointing season next year, there is no reason why Ron Rivera should be the head coach. But he has one more year to prove different.
4: That's the truth. It looks like we've seen possibly the end of Thomas Davis with with the Carolina Panthers. He's been talking with the uh, afterwards that he can't see himself playing with another team, but that he truly believe, but he understands there's got to be some tough decisions made going into to, to the offseason, first year as a free agent in 14 seasons. And, um, you know, Matt Khalil, I think this is a great quote from Matt Khalil. Or Ryan Khalil, excuse me. Ryan Khalil said the uh, the game was uh, fine before me and will be fine after me. You know, it's nice to have a 12 year guy that that was very important to our team for a very long time. We're gonna, it's going to be a big hole to fill. One we were unable to fill with Jordan Gross, to be honest. And I hope that there is not going to be that long term sustainable uh, sustainable problem or a systemic <laughs> continuous problem. And that is um, of trying to fill that, the shoes, the big shoes of that man right there. He's been very important. And one of the things that he's been most important about to me is uh, him and Olson together. I have been, I felt like I've been cam guys from the beginning. They have always lived and died for their quarterback. And I love that.
5: Absolutely, man. Absolutely. They know what Cam Newton means to the team because they play with him. They they know who he is and what he means and and what he does. So um, you know the and that, that's another thing. Um, you know we don't know about the center position next year. Tyler Larson. We're all kind of wondering. Well, maybe he might be the guy. But then you know uh, it, it might be time to spend another premium uh, pick at that position as well. Um, And see, this is what I'm talking about. You know, when you go a few drafts in a row, granted, we went and got a a Taylor Moten, But when you don't consistently draft good offensive linemen, now it appears that this year there is going to be three major holes on our offensive line. At the left tackle position, we have a bunch of who cares with Matt Khalil and Chris Clark and Newhouse, none of which are the long-term answer. Um, You know, Van Roten started very strong but fizzled out toward the end and missed a ton of assignments. And now our uh, our stalwart uh, Pro Bowl center, um, who, you know, was in the final year of his entire career, is now gone. That's three positions that you're hoping and praying we're finding some way to fix next year. Oh, and by the way, we need a pass rush and we need uh, more safeties, and we need maybe another uh, big big body receiver. Yeah, there's a ton of holes, man. You have to draft well. If you don't, you're going to have years where you just have too many needs to even be able to fix before a season starts.
4: Jason from over the cap, over the dot com, Jason underscore OTC on Twitter, put out uh he does great work. That's my one of my favorite websites, over the cap. And he's been on this show before. I appreciate that. And well, I will get him. And we always try to bring him in on the offseason during the free agency time and right after. Uh draft order after the one PM games, the Carolina Panthers fall to 16 now. Um and ahead of them are the Broncos at 10, Bengals at 11, Packers at 12, Dolphins 13, Falcons 14, Redskins 15, Panthers 16, Browns 17. The it was a costly win for the Carolina Panthers today and I did and this is one other thing I think is interesting. A a, a waiver, Jordan, Rod, Jordan Rodriguez reports this on Twitter about an hour ago. Chris Clark usually sings gospel songs quietly to himself after games, and he's got a great voice. He is singing "A Change Is Gonna Come" by Sam Cooke tonight. By Sam Cooke, the, like Ooh, Sam Cooke a, is a person tonight.
5: What? That's a good what song. Like what?
4: Yeah, but at the same time, who cares? Duh. Oh, I, oh! I thought we were going to sign Chris Clark to a five-year deal. Right. Dude was sitting on his couch We have we. They even put that other guy Newhouse in who's sorrier than Chris Clark is after him to see what They got is of course change are going to be coming change is either going to be Coming you either gonna change out of that uniform and get Back on your couch or you're going to change out Of that uniform and be a backup somewhere What in the world to me that's Yeah I'm sorry. And, I'm and,
5: and that no No listen I mean I, You know <laughs> that's why I, I You know none of us are at least myself, I can say uh, I haven't been that hard on Chris, yeah. um in comparison to like a Matt Khalil, just because of that, you know, I mean, the the Texans, he wasn't on the Texans roster for a reason, okay? it's 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 not like the Texans don't need offensive line. Deshaun Watson's always running for his life. So Clark did a good job in then out in, you know, in the place of a bum. That was overpaid and, frankly, just came here, I feel, because Ryan Khalil was our center and, you know, they wanted to play together or whatever the hell happened. I don't know. Dave Gettleman paid him more money than he was worth. So that's why I'm far more uh, tough on Matt Khalil than Clark. But, yeah, we have no idea who our left tackle is going to be next year. And I'm interested in your opinion on this, Tony, but I feel – um, out of everyone, whether it be Shaq Thompson, Devin Funchess, the most interesting free agent storyline going into next season is Darryl Williams and how much money he wants and how much money the Panthers are willing to pay him.
4: I think he's going to be disappointed. That's what I think. I think he's going to be disappointed in that. I don't think he's going to, you know, he was, he was kind of setting himself up for a payday. And, you know, he had a good season. And if he could have gone on to this year to contribute and if then if they would have put Moten at left tackle and he what worked out well. And then you're like, Oh God, Moten and Williams, which is just the future. All we got to do is get a center. We can make these guys work. Then I would expect him to get paid. I don't think he's going to get any money or not in no, no money, but I do think this is that I think he will be disappointed what the Panthers offer him. Because he has been hurt the whole time. And yeah. I do believe that he could be a good player. But I, right now, I don't think you can sign him to a we can count on it deal either. I just think realistically he's going to be disappointed what he could get with Carolina. I bet you he could get a little bit more with somebody else. And that's what you'll probably end up seeing unless Carolina throws some cash at him just because they truly believe that his rehab's going well and everything may be. But it's not like he is a stalwart either. He is good, but not necessarily great or we don't have enough to even know how good he is truly.
5: Yeah. And that was the whole point. Um, And I've been, you know, Brandon Herbert and I have gone back and forth on this. He wants to resign Daryl Williams and then put uh, Moten at left tackle which in theory I'm not really opposed to. But right, the, right. the, 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 could the work. With, it could work. Yeah, the thing with Daryl Williams is that you have one season of high-level play. That's all you have. You have one season of high-level play. And I also think that um, you know, uh, he did benefit a lot from having Trey Turner uh, being next Playing to him. Playing at the
4: best, yep.
5: Yeah, exactly. Great point. And and, um, and then on top of that, you have another season where he missed the entire uh, the very next season. He didn't play a game except for a few snaps against Dallas. And I mean, bless his heart, man. He tried to come back. He got hurt in the preseason. Um, and then was able to come back and and, and do his best, but I mean it, it's it's a situation like that where you just don't know, you know, from a front office perspective what kind of money they're gonna offer him. Uh, there isn't a whole lot of data to work with.
4: I think one of the the problems that the Panthers have had in the past, and I think if you give Daryl Williams too much money, it, and I don't know what that number too much money is is that the problems in the past is that they've they've believed that the offensive line was going to work, and then there wasn't really a backup plan behind it if it didn't. So it like you said, I'm not – theoretically, Moten and Williams could be great together for we all know, but theoretically they could also not. And so what happens then if you get an injury? What if Darrell Williams goes down again? What if Moten goes, down? you know, there's just so many moves. I think this is like you brought up earlier. It's almost to the point where you need to draft a defensive end, a D tackle, an offensive guard and an offensive tackle. One of those positions in the top four rounds every single year. So then you get two, you get two other picks you get to play with. You could get a wide receiver maybe in the first round and then you get a guard in the fourth round. But you've got to keep putting horses in the stable back there, because if any of these guys went down, this goes back to Byron Bell. This goes down to Michael Orr. If any of these guys go down, they weren't that good in the first place. But hell, when they get injured, we're like among in the trash heap already. We were already close to the garbage disposal, right? Yeah. Now you're yeah. in the trash heap. And so we don't have enough horses in the stable. And I know we lost a couple of guys, but let's not act like Amini Silatulu. You want to talk about a guy that does, you want to talk about, you want to, you guys want to talk trash about Taylor Heineke not belonging on a football field. Let's go back to old mean Latulu, and and then you got the other guy who was the uh, Shirls or we got somebody from Minnesota who got hurt in the first week too. But we just didn't have enough guys back there, and I think, like you said, that's a drafting thing because we have not put a premium on those. Moten's the first offensive. It was Moten and Trey Turner. That's it.
5: Yeah, and and Moten and, and uh, Trey Turner was a third round pick that uh, frankly slipped further than he should have. And Andrew Norwell was an undrafted free agent. So, yeah. you know, um, and, and listen, uh, again, back to good old Dave Gettleman, where he said, big men allow you to compete. And, uh, I mean, it's it, it kind of reigns true. Now, he might not have landed on all those picks, you know, but um, it's it, it does remain true. And I, I do agree with you. I, I, I kind of want the exterior positions, this draft to be, or this free agency to be bolstered, um, you know, in free agency with the safeties, um, maybe even another receiver, depending on who's on the market. Uh, And then draft, you just need to draft offensive line and defensive line like it's going out of style, man, and make sure that you pick the right players.
4: Yeah, and and it's and you have to draft so many. See, here's the thing. Going back, Cody, is that we have drafted some of these positions, but it hasn't been consistent and high enough. Because when it doesn't work out, it really proves to be a problem. I.e., Coney Ely, I.e. Deshaun Hall. Is that you? Th- those were right, your solutions. It. Yeah, is those are your solution. You got to keep putting horses in the stable because we got to go take those guys and put them out to pasture already. Right. You're sending you done. You done sent half of those people to the glue factory. Right. Yeah. So is that is I would not be opposed is it's going to take radical surgery. This Panthers team is not that far off, though, if through free agency and the draft, you just like get like four offensive linemen and four defensive linemen. All of a sudden, this team could be competitive if through free agency and the draft, you did both. That's what you got to do. I yeah. would not be opposed to the first four picks all being linemen. I don't care what side. And then the two biggest free agency signings being also linemen.
5: Yeah, I mean, that that's where you win football, man. It's so cliche to say football is that's one of Dave strategies. Yeah, listen, it's so cliche, but I'll be damned if it isn't true. I'll be damned it sure if lost, we, David, what it what isn't true. We sure <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, what have we been talking about all season? We have no pass rush, and Cam Newton doesn't have a consistent pocket except for a couple plays in a few different games. I mean, it's a problem. Those two problems, no matter what you want to say about this season, as we do our own little Mini 2018 retrospective right here. Those have been the two biggest problems this season. Protecting our quarterback and beating the crap out of the opposing team's quarterback. It's been a problem, and if you don't fix it, the Panthers are going to be right back here between 6-10 and 8-8 and and next year. It's not yeah. acceptable anymore
4: or even if you flip it even if you flip the script Cody and you go 10 and 6 somehow and you win those close games not enough horses in the stable to get where it takes
5: no you know you no. might, you, might,
4: you know it's, it's that you're just not going to be a lot of faith that it's going to take you to the promised land it might be it could have been better sure we could have lost we could have won some of those close games we could have had a, a different record but at the same time we would have still kind of been the same team just with a slightly different outcome.
5: Yeah, it didn't matter if you won a few more or lost a few more. In the end, this was a team, and I think you and I said this maybe after uh, Seattle or maybe even a little bit earlier, that this is not a team that we trust to have to go into Chicago or New Orleans or go into one of these other places and and win a football game in the playoffs when, when it really mattered the most. And it, it, i mean mean—that—that that should tell you that there needs to be some real changes. And you know, if hey, if David Tepper is fine with Rivera and Hern, fine. But he better hold the torch to their ass and and turn the heat up. So yeah. all right,
4: so you're listening. You're listening to the C three Panthers podcast. Uh, I, I do look. I think it goes back, Cody. You said it. Is I think we were really onto it with the Detroit game. Seattle just verified it for us, but we really learned this when in the Pittsburgh game because we had an opportunity to be something we thought we could be, and we fell short of it. Now, we said that it could be a blip in this and that, but we weren't the Rams. We weren't the Saints. We learned that, and so it's going to take some strong bolstering in the offseason and right now it looks like it's going to be personnel additions and subtractions that are this, the story instead of the calls for coaching and GMs at this point. Um, I think that's going to be about to, to do it for the show. Cody, you got any last points that you need to talk about?
5: Um, for our final post game of the season, I just want to thank everyone in the chat room, 10 Tizzy, Underground West, Carl Van, Rex Smith, um, Marvelous 109, all of the stalwarts uh, that are always supporting us, always in the chat room, adding to the conversation, calling in the cat calls, uh, just making the show better with their presence. You know, uh, we love you guys. We wouldn't have a show without you guys. And I want to personally uh, say thanks to you and wish you all uh, a very very happy New Year. And um, stick with this man because the season is over for the Carolina Panthers. But uh, the C three podcast rolls on, man. And we're gonna do stuff in the off season. We're gonna preview free agency. We're gonna preview draft picks. We're gonna talk about all the goings on in football. And we hope that you all join us while uh, while we wrap it up every Tuesday night at nine, man.
4: You know we're just a couple of Tuesday nights away from finishing our complete our sixth full season as a podcast. That is 52 episodes a year that we do at the very minimum. We integrated the post-game show this year. But we do some shorts and some things and some interviews in the off season as well. And look, we're, we're not the biggest podcast in the world. That's for dang sure. But I tell you one thing is our listening group and the people that participate on this show. And I'm not even talking about the guys who make the show. I'm talking about the real people who make the show in the chat room. Who, who fuel us to come back on Tuesday nights every Tuesday and be excited about this team and continue to talk. You guys are the real gem of Panther Nation and the C3 Panthers podcast. And like Cody said, you couldn't have it better, man. We appreciate you guys so much. And look, it's, we're doing this because we love to talk about the Carolina Panthers in and, and NFL football. And I think it shows in the fact that we won't shut the hell up about it. And we just keep talking <laughs> talking and talking. And talking. But look, we want you to stick with us throughout the offseason. That's what we want you to do. We're going to bring on more guests. This is the time we get to bring on guests. This is the time we get to be creative in the discussion instead of kind of being locked into the attitude of like, we got to talk about the last game. We got to talk about what's going on ahead. Right? Is that this is the time where the whole discussion does not have to be about Cam Newton and Ron Rivera. Now we're going to be talking yeah. about personnel, free agency, the draft, what can be, and we even get to look can follow the division uh, as a whole throughout the playoffs. So, look, we're going to be here. I I think I'm going to talk the guys into doing Tuesday night, New Year's Day, if I can. We'll see. We'll talk off air about that because I usually party on New Year's Eve. So New Year's Day isn't necessarily problematic for me. But we'll talk about it. At the very worst, we're going to be bringing in a show if it's Tuesday or Wednesday. I'm hoping for Tuesday. We'll see. But my name is Tony Dunn. You can follow me at cat underscore chronicles. His name's Cody Lashney. Tell them where they can follow you.
5: At Cody Lack, C-O-D-Y-L-A-C, on Twitter. I respond to everybody, man. Um, I'm also writing for drafttech.com. There will be another, I believe it'll be either uh, this Tuesday or Wednesday, there's going to be a brand new mock draft. So be on the lookout for that. You can recommend me to come and look at players on my Twitter players that you think uh, maybe I need to look at and maybe preview on the show, here on the show. And uh, that's it, guys. Thanks for uh, listening to me and Tony rap about the Panthers.
4: Make sure that you subscribe to the show. Uh, hit the share button, the like button, the thumbs up button. Follow us on all the social media outlets and uh, check us out iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn. However you think you can help the show grow, and that is telling a friend, writing a review, or simple thumbs up that doesn't cost you anything. Um, or even donating to the show or buying some merchandise off the website. Uh Small things are going to keep us going. I'm excited about the seventh season. I'm excited about what's going forward because, look, there's no reason not to be, right? Is This is the time of new beginnings. It's come to an end. It's all – look, just think, this is what Tampa Bay feels like every year. It's like there's <laughs> always this year coming up.
2: That's where we're at. We're going to be
4: excited about it, guys. And we're going to win, man. We're going to win the draft. We're going to win free agency. We're going to win that Super Bowl. Put it in the bank in 2019. It wasn't our year this year, but you guys are the best. And we'll see you on the next C3 podcast. That's it. Keep pounding. Keep pounding. Subscribe to the C3 Carolina Panthers podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, or anywhere you can catch an RSS feed. Check out carolinacatchronicles.com for the latest Panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective.
7: Great Homer.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies.